Our scripture reading today is taken from Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through 32. And our sermon title today is Lavish Mercy. This is the Lord's word. And Jesus said, There was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to be one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father, But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring the fattened calf and kill it. And let us eat and celebrate. For this was my, for this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field. And as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come and your father has killed a fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. But he answered his father, Look, these many years I have served you, and I never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. 
And he said to him, Son, you are always with me. And all that is mine is yours. It was feeling fitting to celebrate and be glad. For this, your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. May the Lord bless us in the reading of his holy word. Luke chapter 15. We see Jesus teaching. And he's teaching the tax collectors. He's teaching the poor. And the Pharisees and the Sadducees start to gather around, trying to figure out what Jesus is teaching. And Jesus understanding that they've come to entrap him, they've come to test him, begins a series of parables. And this third parable, the parable of the prodigal son, was meant for those two different audiences, those who were considered tax collectors, the poor, the outcasts, and those who were religious leaders of the day, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And Jesus told these stories to them, hoping that they would understand that both sets of people need to hear the true gospel and come to the Lord. And both sets of people had the same problem, but approached it in a different way. This parable of the prodigal son was actually a parable about the love of the father and the way the father interacts and pursues these two sons is a way that he pursues you and me. I do not know if you will identify with the, with the, uh, with the tax collectors and the poor and the prostitutes, or if you'll identify with the, the Sadducees and the religious leaders. In fact, I think you will probably identify with both. And I hope that you will see that the lavish love and forgiveness that he has for you, that it will melt your heart, that you will see a God that is very different from the God of our own making, and a God who is truly a God of shamelessness, of love, of lavishness, forgetfulness. This is the God who loves us. And in this parable, I hope to demonstrate to you through God's word that this God is ours. Many of you know this parable if you've grown up in the church. We see the younger son coming to the father, and he says, give me the share of property that is coming to me. The story tells us the father simply complies, and he divided his property before them. 
Now, if we read this, we understand just how much hubris this young man has and how much disdain he has for his father. Even in today's age, if someone to one of the children asks their parents, listen, give me half of my inheritance. In order for that parent to comply, not many, has, not many of you have liquid resources. You'd have to sell your house, sell your business, sell your car, sell all your assets to give that portion to your younger son. The people around you will look at you as if you have lost your mind. What is worse is that what this son is telling his father is simply, I don't really care about you. I don't really love you. I don't really respect you. But I like your money. I like the material things that you can give me. When you look at this younger son, I think many of us would be like, what is wrong with this boy? He needs a good smackdown. And yet the father simply complies. Many years ago, there was this Korean movie that I watched that made me really angry. It was this movie called, in Korean it's called Jiburo, Onward Home. And it was a story about this grandmother looking over her grandson. And what had happened was that her mother, who lived in the city, had taken her son to a grandma who lived in the countryside. And this mother in the countryside, she, her back was like this, was bent over, and she had very little resources. But she gave everything and complied to every one of this brat's requests. I remember this one scene where he says, I want fried chicken. And so she spent her last dollar to, to buy a chicken at the market, gets it killed, and, and makes it a Korean country way. And then the son is, the grass is ungrateful, just pushes it away. Eventually he eats, but he just pushes it away. And I remember thinking to myself, going, what is wrong with this boy? Mother didn't embrace him right, you know. Well, why? And then I was also angry at the grandma. Why are you allowing your grandson to walk all over you? And so when, when I read this and I, and I see this younger son, I had that same sort of visceral anger. What is wrong with this boy? But also, what is wrong with this father? And yet we get a glimpse of the heart of God that is different from my heart and different from yours as well. Well, the son goes to a far-off country and lives recklessly, spends everything he has. 
a severe famine comes and he finds work just feeding the pigs and he finds himself eating the same things the pig has. He's so hungry. But he realizes that if I go back home, even the hired servants there eat better than this. I will go back and this is my plan. He has his plan all set up. His plan is to say to his father, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. Step one, okay? I, I, I go there, I see my dad, and I go, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. Okay, first to say sorry to dad. Okay, number two, I'm going to say, treat me as one of your higher servants. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Now, commentaries will say that the term a hired servant is a lot different from being a slave or indentured servant in the household. But these were people like craftsmen who, who worked in the town who would come and hire out their services and go back. And what commentators are saying here is that this young boy is probably saying to his dad, Dad, I'll work for you. Make as much money as I can, I'll pay you back. First, I'm sorry, Dad. And two, I'll work for you and I'll pay you back. Again, this sounds like such good wisdom from this young son. That's what I would want for my son too if he did that. It's like, right, you come back, you say sorry to me. Okay, say sorry. Number two, how are you going to pay me back? I want my money. Go get a job. Give me 15% of what you get over the next 10 years and then we'll, we'll call it even. And it makes sense. Our reactions from a reader's perspective, this makes no sense what the father is doing. This makes no sense what the son is doing. It's one of those Korean dramas you watch that you know it's where it's going. You go, why are they doing this? And then it seems like this younger son, when he comes to the senses, that he has the right plan. And I'm like, okay, this, this is going to go the way I, was, I think it's going to go. This, this is the way that life should work. This is the way families should work. And then the father does something that we don't understand again. The father, seeing his son from afar, runs to him with compassion, ran, embraced him, and kissed him. Uh, many of you know that when we have weddings and the father is bringing the bride down the aisle and the groom is waiting, that I always tell the, uh, the, the, the bride and the father that, that they, they need to stop. They're not bringing the bride to the, to the groom. The groom needs to come to the father. We need to honor the father. Honor the elder. 
by you coming and asking for the daughter's hand. A father running in his robe is a disgrace. A father embracing and kissing his son in that culture is not a disgrace. We who grew up in, many of us who grew up in the Korean culture, you will watch those historical dramas. You will never see the king run. You will never see the king embrace a, a son like this. You will never see a king kiss in public. Never. And again, our sensibilities are just like, what is going on? Who is this father? Who is this son? And the drama continues, right? So the son comes, he has a speech prepared. Father, I have sinned against heaven and you, and father stops him. Father says, bring quickly the best robe, put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring a fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Some of you might relate well to the younger son. that you have knowingly rebelled against God. And do I not know that we all have those seasons where God reveals to us that we are far from him, that God reveals to us that we have put our desires ahead of his. We know it, but we don't want to change. Run. We say to God, God, I don't want you. I want you to bless whatever I'm doing. Make it turn out for my good. You run, you run, you run. But by God's grace, he, he returns you. You come to your senses that you've been far from God. But your heart does not understand God's gracious love. You come back to God and you say, okay, God, here are all the things I've done wrong to you, and I'm sorry. I'm sorry. This is how I've, I've, I've treated the people around me. This is how I, I've used my, my, my finances. This is the way I've used my time. This is the way I, I've, I've, I've hated. And I'm sorry. And I'll make it up to you. I'll make it up to you. I'll do X, Y, and Z for you. I'll, I'll go to church. I'll go back. I'll start reading the Bible again. 
I'll, I'll start to, 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 to go to these community groups that this church has. I'll, I'll, I'll go to Clarkston and serve it. But, but after I do these things, please take me back. Please give me peace in my heart. Please give me a sense that I've been forgiven by you. And that's naturally who we are. We, we're, as we say in theology, we're, we're legalists. We live by a law. And we have to fulfill this law in order to receive love. But what does a father do? This is beautiful. The father usurps the son's speech and simply lavishes him with love. The father pursues you and lavishes you with grace and forgiveness. Perhaps you were like the younger son, but the father's heart is a heart that desires to see people come to him, and he always, always rejoices no matter what the cost was. You could see how totally different this is than any other religion and even any other human relationship. Our hearts tend toward law, not towards grace. Our hearts sort of remember behaviors and how to manipulate behaviors and not simply to love. And here is the Father allowing himself to be sinned against and wronged, humiliated amongst his peers. And yet his heart was only for the return of this young son. Now we see that this parable doesn't end here. Here he's speaking to the tax collectors, the, the enemies of, of the Israelite country. He's talking to the prostitutes, he's talking to the poor, he's talking to the outcasts. And to them, that's the gospel. They can receive God's love without having to to serve. They understanding the, the way society works that, you, 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 that many of them are indentured servants or many of them, they, they have to, to work to, to get, gain their freedom. They have to work to make a living, to, to move up if they can in society. And Jesus is saying, or God is saying, Jesus is saying to them, I will come to you and you will be mine. Now the older son was in the field and he heard the music and the dancing. He asked one of his servants, you know, what's going on? And they said to him, your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf because he received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go. His father came out and entreated him. Perhaps this is your heart. Perhaps you are already someone who says, you know, I, I know Jesus, I know God. 
but you've become like a law keeper. And you have prevented people to come to know Jesus or given them the freedom to come to return to Christ by setting up rules and regulations before they can meet him. You're like the doorkeeper. You're the guard. You're the bouncer. You can't come in. You can't come in and see Jesus until you change your ways. You can't come in to see Jesus until you say you're sorry to everyone in this church. And he was angry and refused to go in. What's beautiful about this this section and the section before is that the movement of both the father to the two sons, sons is what? He goes to them. He goes to them. The father, seeing the young son, runs to them. Father, knowing that the older son is not coming, goes to him and entreats him. The father is the one who moves towards you. The Father is the one who wants fellowship with you. The Father is the one who is before you always. The older son was angry and refused to go in. And what does he say? What's his reasoning? Look, these many years I served you. Now, I believe he's saying this in a very angry, self-righteous tone, right? He's saying, look, these many years I've served you and I never disobeyed your commands. You, yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with your friends. But when the son of yours came who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed a fattened calf for him. And he said to him, son, you're always with me and all that is mine is yours. Again, I, I, I don't understand the father's love. Why doesn't he rebuke the son saying, what's your problem? <laughs> Why doesn't he refute him, say, say, you know, that all the stuff that you have is actually mine, not yours. I gave you all this stuff. Why are you angry? This doesn't belong to you. This belongs to me. But the father simply acknowledges that all that he's saying is right. And that blows my mind. All that I have is yours. He has been a good son. He has stayed. He has obeyed. And yet that's not enough. You can imagine that what the father really wanted was the, was the first son to have gone out and spent everything that he had to go out and find the second son. You can imagine the father who, who split his property does not care about his property, he just cares about the sons that he has. Some of you, and some of all of us, are like this angry person because we don't like God's love. 
We don't like this radical, merciful love. Deep down inside, we hate it. We want eye for an eye. We want two for two. We want retribution when, when someone does something to us. And like this, this older son, you can tell that you're living that way because you're always angry. Always angry. This 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 guy's angry. He's angry because of God's merciful love to people. We get angry at people at church. We get angry at our spouses. We get angry at people around us. Because in the end, we believe that we deserve what we get because we worked hard for it. And unless other people recognize that, they don't deserve recognition. They don't deserve mercy. They don't deserve love. We're a mix of both, are we not? Some of you are so fearful to return to the Lord. You think that God won't accept you. Some of you are so fearful because sometimes you think, and rightfully so at times, the church won't accept you. We as a church and we as individuals must know that this place is for sinners. This place is for God's enemies to turn. This place is for murderers, for adulterers, for thieves, for tax collectors. And if we have a pharisaical heart, we'll block them from Jesus. But we have the heart like the Father we will go to them and love them and restore them. Some of you are like that Pharisee. Believe me, I, I'm one of those. Being a church planter is hard. Starting a church is hard. It's easy for us to look around and go, why isn't he or she pulling his or her weight? It's really easy to say, why isn't he or she fighting for their faith? It's really easy to say, what is wrong with this church? What is wrong with me as a pastor? And we start to put people in categories. We start looking at people with those categories. And we forget that the church itself is not built by us, but the church is built by Christ. And we forget that this church, even Christ's covenant, we're only a year and a half years old, but we will eventually die, but God's kingdom will go forever. And our duty is to repent of that attitude and to love one another as lavishly 
as Christ has loved us as well. This God is a God that I actually would be very much ashamed of if this was the only story I knew of him. I'd be very ashamed of this God. What a father who lets his son walk all over him. A father who runs around exposing himself as he, as he, as he runs across the field. A father who lets his older son tongue lash him and responds with like a, a weak little child. I want a strong God. But it's God's weakness and his love that allows him to bring you back into his fold by grace. And so even if I don't understand him here, and the world doesn't understand him here, we understand that there is no other God like this in the universe who will pursue you and love you like the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. My son asked me one day, how big is the universe? And I said to him, it's just, it's just really big. But how big is it? It's just really, really big. Yeah. He goes, but how big that? Ask Google. Ask Google. Um, but then he said, universe is really big. That means I'm really small, right? Compared to the universe. And I go, yeah, we are. But for some reason, God loves you more than the vastness of what he created. Our Father's love to us, we will never understand fully. But we receive it with joy. So receive it. And go tell all peoples so they too can know this same God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, there is no one like you we worship you, we serve you. We are people, Lord, we confess that we live by the law. We like to strike fear into other people, judging them by what they do and what they don't do. Father, we ourselves sometimes feel that gaze from other people. And we feel the oppression. Help us to see, Lord God, that you do not do that to us and that you actually free us, Lord, from doing that to other people. Lord, if you are able to humble yourself and in a sense to allow yourself to be humiliated by this world for the sake of your two sons, for the sake of these two sons in this parable, Lord, should we not ourselves permit ourselves to be mocked and ridiculed by this world 
to share the good news with others as well. We belong to you. You and your lavish and incomprehensible love. We praise you and we thank you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.